Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 28, Act 2, Ed and Mora, Art versus Ageism, Rewiring Perceptions, recorded October 25th, 2019 in New Rochelle, New York. One size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember the walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA listeners. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you and are glad you're a part of our global community. We ask that you share this monthly podcast with your peeps. You can tell them you can find it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever one listens to their podcasts. We're also trying to support the community. So check us out on the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I have said this before, I will say it again, that I don't necessarily have words of wisdom, um, but to say that in the midst of the chaos, I look for ripples of hope. And one of those ripples is you you're listening um and i hope that you feel like you're a part of something um here with us and with your co-listeners again we appreciate you and thinking about this particular episode uh i have been very cognizant of my um my relationship with my mom and uh, I'm going to hearken back to my experience um, at the hermitage. And I was telling, you you know, here I'm with a bunch of strangers. I don't know them necessarily unless I knew them um, through their work. And I wondered if I was going to say anything about the fact that my mom had passed away, you know, just a few months earlier and eventually it did come out and I was telling somebody a story about my mom. Uh, and from there, it's just sort of grown about well, what kind of like moments of sweet love did she sort of bestow upon me in, in all the various ways. And sometimes they were quite large and sometimes they were super simple. I had thought about sharing with you the the eulogy that I said at her funeral, but I think that's too much. So let me tell you one story. Um, 
<laughs> my mom, uh, my mom was a singer and she loved music and she wasn't like super hip on like pop music necessarily. Her thing was like Johnny Mathis and, um, uh, uh, I don't know, Motown and, um, just sort of classic Nat King Cole. These are her, that was her jam. Um, and so I remember we went to a Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> concert. Uh, I think it was my senior year in college. And then the next day we had to drive up to visit a, a college campus. Um, but yeah, we, we both sort of bonded on him because he was old school and I thought he was cute and young and I liked listening to the music. And so this was something that we shared later on in years. We went to an Alanis Morissette concert too. I'm remembering (laughs) and a James Taylor concert with my dad. Anyway, fun times. Um, when I was an adult and I started working at the new Vic, here's the thing. My mom was a part of a chorus. Um, uh, and so they would take classes. They were a part of this chorus and then they would sing, they would go around to different, like for Christmas or the holidays, they would go around to different um, venues and sing in like senior citizen homes. And so there's a little bit of passiveness, but the thing is ironic is that my mom was a senior citizen when she was, you know, above 50, she's in her 50, late, early 60s, mid 60s, etc. And she just loved being a part of this. It became a big part of her social engagement. Um, and she bonded very specifically with, with people who are part of that chorus. So all the kinds of things that we're talking about with Ed and Mora, my mom definitely experienced. She also experienced the loss, not just the loss of her husband in 2008, but she was starting to lose friends. You know, they were passing away and she lived in a different part of the city and it wasn't as easy for her to get around and she wasn't as mobile or as independent and all those things that kept sort of clinking away or chinking away I don't know what the right word is but just sort of ticking away from her um, ability to identify as a fully socially engaged human being um, and while her physical um health was definitely deteriorating. I think a lot of the things that I, in terms of the conversations that I would have with her, she would sort of hark on, like, I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do that. It takes me so long to do this. And I would find myself trying to be a cheerleader to her and also try to like get her to go to the Y and get her to go and be social. And as try as I might, that just wasn't something she was interested in. Um, because it wasn't one, something she chose or something she had done before, I think, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's hard to have this conversation with, um, without thinking about her and her, um, um, her ability to identify or rewire to identify differently um, with where she was now. Uh, I just got really sad. I got really sad just there. I'm sorry. Um, why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you this story because 
the arts are really important. <laughs> and uh, I think whatever you do, if you have people who are growing older in your life, that that loss, that the you know the loss of identity, the loss of parts of your life, another social engage social engagement uh, opportunities. Um, it's really important, I think, to find ways to re-engage in new ways. Um, oh, and the last thing I wanted to tell you <laughs> was that I actually ended up as an adult, I was maybe in my early thirties. Uh, I joined the, the, the singing class <laughs> with my mom. Um, I had been taking singing lessons or maybe I switched to singing lessons. I can't remember, but I like to sing too. I'm not like specifically trained, but I enjoy it. I do. And um, so I thought it was a nice way for me and my mom to bond, uh, spend some time with each other, but also for me to selfishly learn how to sing. <laughs> selfishly, that's not true. Just, you know, it was an, a learning opportunity for me, a learning opportunity for her, something that we could do together. And that um, was particularly delightful and created lots of memories. All right. So here is the conclusion of my conversation with Ed and Mora, who are delightful, just delightful and doing really, really amazing, strong, needed work. So here's the conclusion of episode 28, act two, Ed and Mora, Art versus ageism, rewiring perceptions. As you're thinking about the next generation who are going to continue this work, mm -hmm. what are you hoping uh, either by creating some infrastructure or a, uh, uh, like what are the conversations that you're having with your staff and your teams to figure out what, how are we going to continue to make sure that we're, you know, shifting, you know, paradigms mm -hmm, basically, mm -hmm. um, in terms of working with populations who are often misun like misjudged, mm -hmm. misunderstood. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. one of the things actually that we're working on, um, is getting, uh, older adults on the social justice, mm. uh, platform because, um, th they haven't been there, you know, as identified as, a constituency or as a you know a target population mm. um and and that has to do with ageism and has to do with you know all those things we talked about before but i think that w one of the things that we have been able to do is that we have been able to stick to our mission and we've known from the very outset that we wanted to be a service organization and our our goal with our partners and clients is to uh, basically um, prep them up, get them ready to go on their own. We don't want to, you mm -hmm. know, for instance, we worked with the New York Public Library for over three years for different grants. They don't, they uh, have their own creative aging program now. They wow. use our model. So mm -hmm. does Brooklyn Public. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, lots of, lots of organizations have continued to build their own, you know, to, to, build out this programming because we've given them the building blocks. Mm -hmm. We've given them the building blocks. And so I think that um, my hope for, my hope for this organization is one thing. My hope for the field is another thing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that there's any end to the work in sight. Um, 
And I think it's really important that that Lifetime Arts continues to do what we do well. We don't, uh, and we've said this from the beginning, we do not want to become an empire of any kind. You know, we want to do the work that we do well. And, and all of that involves partnership development. Right. There's nothing that we do that we can't do without other people and other institutions. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that, you know, we're in a, we're in a, we've been in a growth phase for 12 years, actually. So <laughs> right. um, it's a constant, constant job to kind of make sure that we're not uh, moving away from our mission, that we're not overloading our, 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 our staff and ourselves, mm-hmm. and that we're doing quality work. So um, it means saying no to some things, and it means um, trying to sort of codify uh, which we've been doing pretty well, but really to codify the work that we do and to make sure that we're able to disseminate it clearly right. and that yeah. it's useful. So there, so um, documentation super important. Super important. Um, any any like books or like what are some of the ways that you're documenting? Oh, we have um, photographically and video wise. Mm-hmm. And um, that's also part of our training for everyone we work with is to help them to learn to document and share and disseminate the information. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also developing an online learning platform. Oh. Uh, it's uh, it's um, two of them, actually. One is, one is an online um, resource, creative aging resource, which will be up and running within the next six months, I think a free resource um, great. and the other is a very uh, significant high-end uh, learning uh, platform initially for public libraries uh, we've been working on it for about a year and a half now mm-hmm. and uh, and it will be an interactive curated um, supported subscription-based probably subscription-based mm-hmm program that's great yeah so we're um we share our information everywhere we're trying to and we've been successful at um codifying the work and creating manuals and tools and templates and things like that so this creative aging resource uh website plus the um the upcoming uh learning platform will help us to do that Cool. So would you say that you're the spokesperson or like, how does that work? Are you, cause I've never seen, sorry, I've never seen you in the field. Hey, um, and actually there. I, I guess where I've seen you the most has been at the national guild conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you're, you're all are going back there. Yeah. Right. Um, but like, yeah, like how, how are you like, you're the money, you're the money man. Are you like the grantor? Are you like, are you talking to like, I guess what I'm also, I'm curious. I I, I don't mean to point it out like, but I'm just saying like from, from optics as a arts provider, I'm seeing you more than, than Ed. Well, but that doesn't mean that you're not out there. Well, I mean, I think, I think things have, things have evolved. I mean, Mm -hmm. there were, there were times when we first started, we would go everywhere together. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when we got, when we got, (laughs) Thank you. And when we um, we got busier, we would go out individually. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a training that happens. Um, this is an example at the Creative Center at the at the um, University of 
university settlement. Uh So what Moore and I would do is each year we would take turns, Mm. you know, being part of their training, uh, helping them do that. Um, And, you know, and and I do some, you know, a number of speaking engagements, Mm -hmm. you know, around... um, you know, I was at the uh, American Alliance of Museums conference, and I went out to New Jersey to do a um, the Brookdale Foundation, mm. did the keynote there and, and stuff. But I think what's happened is that um, uh, as we grew, um, there had to be more, there were more backroom responsibilities. So that stuff, you know, basically has fallen to me to to do so you know it's it's like you know it's like it's like i i find this with relationships it's like you know you without without actually saying it you know there's like role delegation right you know it's like you know you're you know you wind up taking out the garbage you wind up doing the dishes you know whatever it is Mm -hmm. so while it's never been said this is how things have evolved right i understand that. the other thing is that ed has another life he is a very active playwright and producer and actor and director. So he, uh, you know, is uh, a busy guy. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I have a, I have a counterpart as well in, in my world. And there are things that, you know, we each are overseeing very specific areas of education, but there are departmental things that have to get done. And, and we definitely default to, Oh, well, when we're doing budgets, it's going to be Courtney who like make sure that the budget printed looks beautiful when we're ready to do you know like there's just certain things like that that are very clear so and then they start to but they're never like written down like in a job description yeah. kind of way like, i get that Ed and i've worked so closely together for so long right. that um we're great editors for each other's work That's you nice. know we're constantly sending yeah. stuff back and forth mm-hmm. across the desk and uh making sure that uh i make sure he uses punctuation and <laughs> <laughs> And he reminds me of a lot of things that I leave out. Mm-hmm. So we're together. Um, we, it's pretty, kind of amazing, actually. We haven't killed each other yet. And I mean, we've been sitting this close together for 12 years. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I get, I, I get that because I've worked with my counterpart, Lindsay, for uh, uh, tw- at least 12 years, yeah, if not well, more. Yeah. And um, it's the same thing where we're like... Y- y- she's got diplomacy and I need to learn it. I have like directness and sometimes she's like, you know, so we can support each other in many different ways with our complementary skills, but also, um, like, isn't that a wonderful thing to have a partner like that? Like oh, totally. that's we, my we, work wife. Yep. It's exactly what a, we call each has, other. Yeah. She has her husband and all that. But like, this is like the best, re- one of the, my yeah. best relationships. Yeah. And also neither of us would have done this without the other. Right. Not in a million right, years. Right. And that's a wonderful thing. And we were thing. super lucky to, uh, find each other, uh, and to f- figure out that we could do this. And we figured yeah. it out together. And it was always, it was never, a real plan. It's just we responded initially. It was responding to right. to what was happening, and then you know over time we've been able to actually get ahead of the get ahead of the the work a little right. bit. So, <laughs> um, I guess that's a, that's another kind of question I have, and then we can move forward. But uh, you two started this. You built this together. Your co-founders. The next generation's coming in. You know. W- Will there be, and you may not have an answer to this, but like, will there be a need to have that sort of simpatico uh, partner partner leadership um, 
if not, you know, mm-hmm. what, what does the leadership look like? Is it more of a, um, unilateral, unilateral, mm-hmm. um, uh, working environments? I mean, now I can see that it is, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yes, yeah. uh, or, or that's something that we think about. I've mm-hmm. thought about it, at least. I don't know if mm-hmm. I've talked to her about it, but like, I wouldn't, I don't know. Uh, sometimes I wonder like, what is it going to look like in the future? Yeah, I, and I don't I, I know. Think, yeah, we're know actually talking is. a lot about that uh, mm-hmm. these days. And um, I don't think that we expect or would want our relationship uh, to be duplicated because I don't think it, you, you can, right, you right, know, right, it's, right, uh, yeah. we, <laughs> uh, the way we started and, and our specific personalities and experiences are, uh, you can't replicate it, but that doesn't mean to say that another, uh, uh, infrastructure style could not be as successful and as, as, uh, you know, copacetic. So, um, right. I think that, uh, we happen to have great people here and great people outside of here, right. you know, and so we're, we've never said, um, no to one thing or another. We just kind of, uh, you know, I think some of our staff works, you know, lives in other States Oh, and, uh, we've made it work because it was the individuals that were important right. and we don't. Uh, ascribe to any kind of you know so any kind of you know super rigid formal structure of any kind which is I don't know whether I think that's actually part of getting older it's like you think well what the hell what you know why can't we do it this way right we can do you know we can do what's best for the work Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we've been able to do that so I think going forward uh, we don't we don't know yet what the structure is what the organizational chart will look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that the um, the people who move into these chairs going forward are going to be free to develop, you know, possibly in a different a different structure mm-hmm. completely, and and there may be a different uh, a difference in terms of how responsibilities are delegated, and there may be you know new people you know doing doing this stuff. You know, we do. You know the 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 bulk of pretty much all of the uh, of the uh, development work, and you know we may be in a situation where when when new leadership comes in, you know maybe there'll be somebody who's who's that's their job right. to do. That's just right. an example of what mm-hmm. could happen. But um, I think I think the thing is, I think what we want to do is identify people, hopefully that are that are with us that uh, really want to grow with the organization and want to, you know, want to sit in these chairs mm-hmm. and, and have the, have the motivation to do it and the, uh, and the drive to do it. I think that we haven't talked that much about, uh, we have a little bit, but, um, about the importance of teaching artists Great. and, um, and, um, the critical role that they play in this work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is something, and we're always, um, advocating for pay for Maura, this um just fyi this podcast is called teaching artistry so you know oh that's an idea what a great <laughs> what a great topic <laughs> you know i was gonna ask what's the name of this podcast <laughs> um so yeah how how are they critical well how, it's how kind of interesting yeah. because i mean one of the things that we've first of all our respect and dependence on great teaching artists is um really paramount to our work and so because we work in all these different sectors, 
um, we've had to teach people about, you know, what teaching artists are and what mm-hmm. they can do and, mm-hmm. and uh, their strength and power and magic and all of that. And, um, you know, we are always looking for ways to support teaching artists and also to help them to do this work better and in more places and more often. Um, one of the interesting things that we've come across over the years is that not all of the great teaching artists that we have worked with even use the term teaching artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's always been a sort of an interesting thing um, where we come across in various communities, whether they're rural communities or urban or suburban, whatever, people who are fabulous teaching artists have never heard the term, are not associated with any teaching artists or teaching artist organizations, and yet they have everything they need to really do this work wonderfully. Mm. And um, so that's something that I think um, was a surprise to me, having come through the New York City arts and ed world. It was my life before this. And um, I have to kind of uh, force myself to be a little bit more open. Um, And also, in the kinds of work that we do, you know, we promote a specific type of model, which is based on best practices in arts and education, you know, eight sessions, sequential. One of the great things about this work is that you get 90 minutes to two hours per session, which is like magical, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of... Uh, For, you know, 45 minutes 40, that are actually like and like actually 35. 11 minutes of instruction you know so <laughs> yeah. uh, by the time you get everything settled right. um, so I just think that going forward we have to uh, even though we're promoting a specific kind of structure to kind of build a foundation I think over time because this country is so large and so diverse and so amazing that we're going to have to be a little bit more flexible about our um, structures they're not going to, you know, that, 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 that format is not going to work for everybody. And we've already found that, yeah, that yeah. it doesn't work for everybody. Mm. So we can't, you know, we don't want to be the creative aging police. You know, we want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, be able to um, support this work so that it supports people. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, I, there are certain realities to this. And one of the things that, that, I think first caused us to think about this, about being more flexible is the fact that, you know, sometimes people have funding restrictions and, you know, maybe they could, maybe they can only support, you know, a six session, you know, uh, workshop and not an eight session. So, you know, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know, if, right. if, you know, and what we found and, you know, and, and this is where Annie's been so incredibly uh, helpful was figuring out how do you, how do you do this in, in fewer sessions what 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 can be accomplished mm. and and she's shown us in fact that that a lot can happen right. so that's that's been very helpful <laughs> and i think the i think you know the um we'd love to have you know more more teaching artists embrace this work mm-hmm. and but you know i i want to be sort of realistic about this and understand that it's not as uh, ubiquitous as K to 12 arts education. Right. There aren't yeah, yeah. right now as many opportunities as there are. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be pie in the sky about this. Um, you know, the, the, the rest of the world hasn't caught up to this yet. Mm-hmm. This reminds me when I, my first job, uh, in this field was with young audiences, in New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I started there, they did not have 
uh, residencies, sequ- you know, sequential residencies. They mm-hmm. just had auditorium programs, 500 kids in the auditorium for the brass quintet, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, only after a few years there, I was there in the early 80s, that the idea of, of actually one teaching artist meeting with the same group of kids came up. That was right. like earth shattering, amazing. <sighs> And so this work is still, this work for older adults and arts education for older adults is still very, very new mm-hmm. and um, has a long ways to go yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you were to describe this, um, like what it is that you do to with somebody that you're meeting like in a supermarket mm-hmm. or at a bar <laughs> or at a social gathering, what you know? What's your what's your little elevator pitch? This is a new question. I've never asked this question before. Good one. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, it is, and you know, it's it's very funny. I have been because the, my my the last job I had was also a service organization, which is I hated having to describe <laughs> this work because you know there isn't a lot of frame of reference for this, and um, and I hate to to just you know, melt it down to, um, you know, arts programs for older adults. And, but if there is, if there is, um, a, a, if I'm in that social situation mm-hmm. and if there is a glimmer of interest, it allows me <laughs> to expand a bit about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the reality of this is that the, the work that, that we do is a lot, this developmental work is not the, the sexy part of this. You know, what, what, what people respond to is, you know, as we were describing before, the culminating event where, you know, you know 50 older adults right. are, are, are singing, you know, Broadway show tunes or whatever they're doing, or, or you're seeing this incredible art exhibit that mm-hmm. people kind of labored over and, and stuff like this. And that's the part that gets people's juices going. So, um, so I think people do respond to the idea of... of uh, of older adults and arts education. Mm. And um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, to the extent that people who are, you know, civilians, if I can say that, you know, respond to this mm. is, it gives us the the, um, the wherewithal to kind of go further and describe, you know, what, you know, what that is and, and, and give them some examples about what that is. And, uh, and when you do that, when you can actually say like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, that's when people's, and nobody, and Morris said this a million times, nobody thinks this is a bad idea. No, right. No one. Uh, yeah, no. That wasn't, I don't want to rate you. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I thought that was a lovely response, but, like, I think that that is the thing, is, like, what's the hook to get them to that, to telling them more information, right? And I often struggle with the same thing. I've tried to figure out, like, these are the hooky, like the hook terms or things that would get somebody to be like, and how do you, um, but I guess, yeah, I think because, I think because of the fact that like, I just keep seeing like this, 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 um, this need for education, educating people, what this work is, why this work is important, what this cross pollination that you were talking about and like how we need to, as a society think differently and behave differently and set up different ways of, um, engaging 
people who are 55 and older <laughs> or right. just older uh older people and um and that that's pervasive that that weird negativity and i i said this term before a rewirement but we didn't talk about what that is well uh I, generally i think that means um before when I was talking about sort of the natural series of losses yeah. that older adults go through, um, you kind of find yourself in a new place in life. And, uh, you know, if you've been um, a worker for 40 years right. and all of a sudden you find yourself without a job or your kids move away or your spouse dies, everything has to change about how you spend your days about what you do with your time, about who you associate with, who you who you don't see anymore, mm-hmm. um, and in, you you know you feel this in different phases of your life. When I when my kids were in school, uh, my you know, my doors were swinging open and out every day. You know there was all kinds of activity and all kinds of people associated with that activity. Right. So there are people I've known who live three blocks from me. I haven't seen them in 10 years because my kids have been out of school for 10 years. Right. Uh, and so you kind of, kind of re- rethink where you are in your life and how you want to, how do you want to do things and who you want to associate with. Right. Uh, so that's a kind of a rewirement, you know, where you're, you really do have to change some things in, in order to avoid social isolation, which sort of seeps up rapidly and right. quietly. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it's a hard thing to to get away from, but you have you have to work it. You have to work at reconnecting to the world. And that sounds so sad. That, well, I, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I think you know you're talking about your identity. What's your identity right. going to be when you when you're not doing this? Uh, yeah. yeah, whether whether it's when you're not being a a, a mother or a caregiver or a wife or a <laughs> right. worker or an employee or whatever, or a neighbor, what happens when you're not any of those things anymore? Right, and it's interesting because there's this like, um, like if you look at like media, I guess, or movies, like often it's like you're old and curmudgeonly or or like now you're free and you can go and travel the world. Or, yeah. Like it's either like the super like, yeah sexy like right. i don't know glossy and sexy thing that's possible it's the, or it's the the double tubs the t- <laughs> exactly. but the reality is not yeah. either of those things yeah. necessarily right. but the that that like social and emotional piece mm-hmm. of uh, of those losses and like that i like not understanding what my who am i now mm-hmm. um and wh- you know where are the supports in life let alone in you know in, in this kind of programming in terms of the arts you know like this term is not something that people know i i I don't know i mean i feel like the first time i heard it was in that class Mm -hmm. that any guest uh facilitated in you know so if this is a thing and i've seen that uh aurora was it aurora there's a there's a video aroha Aroha. 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 thank you (laughs) we practiced aroha Aroha philanthropy. Right. Like there's that video of yeah. the, the wall of, yes, right, what's right. the, it's a wall that it's says, the wall. oh, it's just the wall. Yeah. And like, how do you break through the wall right. or break the wall right. itself right. is, right. you know, the arts or this idea of like rethinking about yeah. 
and coming from a positive place. I don't know. And also why teaching artists are so, so important. Right. Um, The skills that teaching artists, that good teaching artists have are not just that they're art makers and whatever discipline, Mm -hmm. but that they can facilitate learning and that they're empathetic, that they have, that they're interested in this work. And that also, I think, I think it's really important that people see themselves in older adults. Um, And, uh, you know, a lot of the teaching artists that we have worked with over these years, they range from 24 years old to 85 years old. Mm -hmm. And they all come to it differently. Um, Mm. But all of them come out of it sort of learning more and feeling more connected. So uh, the teaching artist, the skill of the teaching artist is is critical to be Mm. able to understand what aging means and what community means and how to actually build it in a, in a space. You know, I've said oftentimes that if you have a, a wonderful teaching artist and you have somebody, whether it's in a library or a senior center, somebody who's committed to the program and you have a really good teaching artist, the program cannot fail. And I, I feel very unequivocal about that. If you have those two things, I can guarantee you it will not fail. That's lovely. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I'm in this space. I'm in a place where uh, I'm still trying to figure out what that pitch is. Like, what's the hook that's gonna get um, something? Like, but I. But maybe that's it. Like. When you say hook, what do you what do you mean? Well, I'm trying that to build the empathy towards. If you don't know what I'm, what kind of work I'm doing, how do I? One of the ways that um, we tend to do it because I'm I'm so kid focused is think about your first, the first um, show that you ever saw or that like that moment where like an uh, engaging with a piece of art still sticks with you now, right? And so I'm wondering like. Well, is I can tell there, you from yeah. the teaching artist point of view, yeah. very often what we hear from teaching <laughs> artists is they, they think about their um, their grandparents. Right. And that comes up a lot mm. in terms of their motivation for this. They're thinking about either what their, their parent or grandparent could have done, might have done, um, had a talent that, that went wasted right. uh, because the opportunity wasn't there. Mm. I also think it's... Um, uh, very much a situation where you're thinking about how do I want to age? Yeah. I, I am who I am. I feel the same. And I, I'll never forget my mother telling me that on her 50th birthday, she said, I feel the same way that I felt when I was 14. Yeah. Uh, and, and she said, but when her mother was 50, she was an old lady. And so it's about how you feel about who you are and, yeah. that, and to acknowledge that every single person is still the same person they were you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 mm-hmm. years ago. And um, that's kind of exciting to me that, you know, that, uh, you know, you can still feel that way. Yeah. Till you're 80 or 90 years old. I think that's, that's, that might be where my brain space was starting to wrap towards was, it's who selfish. do I want to be? Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of selfish work. When you know? I'm aging yeah. and yeah. what, you know, what are the dreams that I already have for that time? Yeah. yeah. And how do I stay in that positive yeah. place? I don't, you know, I don't want to be told that I can't go out dancing at yeah. night, you know, or that I can't, uh, that I can't wear something, or that uh-huh. that I can't, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, do anything. I can't, I don't want to be told that I can't do that because I'm, I'm however old I am. Right. Or you that know? I can't learn to read. You know, right. Or right. I can't learn to read. Or I, you can't, I change, can't the change the way you the way are. You, you are. can't change things around you because you're old. Right. No, let's not. <laughs> and, and what's so interesting about what you just said is that, and we've talked about ageism a little bit, and the most insidious form of ageism is that which is self-imposed. And that's, and that really is is a big hurdle to to come over because there are people who really have that attitude that's of course i can't do this i'm x amount old and it's way too late for me to to do that and of course we know that's not true right we know that's not true theoretically but in reality i think we all feel that, those things once in a while yeah. you know i know i do i'm not i'm not convinced that that I can go out dancing at night, mm. you know. Because there's still a thing where, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because I have grown-up kids who are very funny and <laughs> make fun of me all the time. Maybe yeah. that's why. But there are certain things that, that you know, should I dye my hair or not dye my uh-huh. hair? Should I buy the age-reducing wrinkle cream? Or should I just, <laughs> like, uh, you know, oh, yes. let it be the way it is? Yeah. Or, should I worry about the fact that these shoes are kind of funky and maybe I saw them on a 30-year-old and they look great, but I'm 63, so, right. you know, I can't wear them. So those are all <laughs> no, things. No, those are, re- those and, are and, real and here, things. And we're, we're the cream of the crop of the creative aging people right. and we still think about this stuff. No, so. totally. I mean, I'm, I'm the oldest person in my department. I have a very large wow, team. Wow, amazing. Uh, you, I, people think I am younger than because of uh, how I look. I think like people, when I tell people my age, they're like, what? In fact, the other, like a couple of weeks ago, I went to the ER for an ear infection. I didn't know it was an ear infection. I was freaking out. But, um, the woman who checked me in was like, I gave her my, you know, information and she goes, I'm not joking. She was like, oh! and I was like, Oh no, what, what's wrong? And she's like, really? You're that old. Oh, you're giving me hope. I'm seven years behind that. And I was like, Oh is that a compliment? I'm going to take that as a compliment because damn, I look good, I guess. But also like, I hope that continues. Like, you know what I mean? But, so then but the thing is, the, the, you know, why do you hope that continues? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right so, See, there you so go. I have to think about the, yeah. I have to like go back and think about the things, but have I bought the like Jade face roller? Right. Yes. <laughs> do I do it every night now? Yes. Is it working? I think so. Um, but no, you, these are the things. Like, why do you think I dye my hair? I have a lot of gray in this hair. And that's, you know, just hereditary. But I dye my hair because I want it to look good. Yeah, what am I going to do? Um, I just, I really enjoy talking to you both. This is really nice. I, I, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying yourselves too. It's um, fun to actually But I'm cognizant, I'm cognizant of time. So I want to make sure that you, you're not, um, you know, it's a Friday. Yeah. Um, any last thoughts that we want to leave? I I think my, my, you know, as I said, when, when I first heard you speaking Maura, I I really thought about my mom and, um, who's 81 and not, um, is physically and health wise is doing poorly, unfortunately. And there are, there are moments where, um, you know, sing, she, she was a singer and she, um, was having trouble remembering things. And so we're singing songs together and those moments where she's very, um, 
you know, she has this moment. She's like, Oh, I remember that song. And then we have this conversation, you know, this moment, she'll start telling me the memories of that particular song and that kind of thing. And those are really lovely moments, but the, the whole pattern of loss that you were talking about, like she has experienced all of that very rapidly in the last 10 years or 11 years. And, and it's, it's sad because there's a, at this point, there's not a whole lot that we can do and and there were some choices and some conversations that we had that I felt like oh like you are having that what you were talking about that self I'm too old and like this sort of like not just feeling the loss of all the people or the things but the loss of self from another time and it was very it's it's been very hard to to be in that situation Yeah. And then it makes you think about yourself and like, how, who am I going to be when I'm at, I'm in that? Will I be in that same situation? So actually, will um, I? Yeah. Ashton Applewhite talks about being an older person. Um, I think she uses the term in, uh, practicing to be an older person. Right. You know, and sort of practicing, making new connections, practicing, trying something new or mm-hmm. going someplace that you haven't been before. And that's not a bad idea. Yeah. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, that's for any age. Yeah. I just, I was just having a conversation with somebody who's quite young who said, I always limit, I've been limiting myself. And I thought that was fascinating to see such a young person saying I've limited myself. And now, you know, just because of where I am now, I'm starting to realize that I should try things. Mm-hmm. And that concept seems to be, you know, a, um, important mm-hmm. as we continue to move through life. Yeah. That I am going to try new things. <laughs> Don't go wild. <laughs> Why not? I'll go wild. I'll wear those shoes that a 30-year-old wears. I don't know. Um, well, thank you so much. Um, is there, like I said, I did ask you before, is there any last, um, or do you have any questions for me as we wrap up? I don't have any questions. <laughs> That's I'm great. I was trying to think of something pithy to say. I'm, like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> no, you go ahead. I think just thank you for the opportunity. It's, you know, we, um, we're proud of what we've done mm. and it's been a lot of fun and I think it'll continue to be fun and good work. Uh, and I think, you know, you before asked us why we keep doing this because it's good work. You know, there's, it's where I think that we are making a difference mm. in, in, uh, how things are done in terms of, of uh, programming for older adults and also just thinking about aging. Uh, so I think that's uh, a good thing to have done. I would like to see some of the younger uh, teaching artists that come into this just be open to the idea that the, that the possibilities for the work they're doing can encompass a much longer lifespan. Thank you for listening to episode 28, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. Ed and Mora, Art versus Ageism, Rewiring Perceptions. Join us next time for a conversation with Ali Santana. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Brandon Hutchinson is the media arts coordinator. Jana Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry and on Instagram at Teaching Artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. 
Let's start it up now.